Hi, welcome to the official podcast of the WCD. That's the World Congress of Dermatology, which will be held in Singapore next in 2023. I am Dr. Etienne Wang from the National Skin Center of Singapore, and I will be your host for this podcast. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, and wherever else you get your podcast. In this podcast, I will bring on dermatologists and skin researchers from all over the world to talk about all things dermatology. And today, I have one of our resident dermatologists, Shashin, back with a derm topic for discussion. What do you have for us today, Shashin? Hi, Tim. Thanks for having me back. Well, today I thought we'd talk about something that's very pervasive in our daily lives, and that is social media. In particular, how social media impacts patients or people with skin diseases. Wow, okay, that's quite a big topic. What do you think is the most important one in your opinion? Well, from my end, I thought there were two sides to this. So on one end, it does help patients with skin diseases a lot. I do have patients, for example, with psoriasis or eczema who have um, joined support groups, say on Facebook or Instagram, and become come in touch with other patients who have similar skin diseases. There are other patients with chronic uh, skin conditions, for example, like acne, who have joined um, certain movements. For example, the acne is normal movement where the stigma associated with skin diseases has been reduced. So there's a lot of positivity that has been generated from social media. And that was one side I thought would be interesting to look at. Yes, but I think as with everything, it's not uh, absolute good or bad. I'm pretty sure there's some bad things you want to tell us about. Exactly. And I think the most horrifying has been when patients come to us in clinic and compare themselves to the many perfect airbrushed versions of people that they see on, say, Instagram or Facebook, not just from, say, beauty bloggers or models, but just regular people using filters to enhance certain features, maybe airbrush their own skin. And for a patient who already has an impediment where their skin is not perfect, it can be something that really, really gets to them, you know, if it's an insecurity, something they might mull over for days on end. And I think that's a bit distressing to see, given how pervasive social media is today. Yes, I really think that's quite an important thing to talk about. As you said, a lot of patients do find solace and community on social media for their skin disease. But at the same time, there's a lot of disinformation and misinformation out there. I recently came across this TikTok where this um, person was selling some sort of essential oils for psoriasis and everything, and quite a lot of money for snake oil. What do you think about all this? How do we combat all that? Well, that's definitely something we see very often in clinics. Patients do bring screenshots of funny-looking, very interesting um, treatments they have seen online, some of which definitely don't seem to work or not scientifically proven. Um, I think at the heart of it is proper patient education, which generally would start with, say, a simple patient le information leaflet given when they're diagnosed with a skin condition to set them on the right path, or even giving them a link to... Um, say, guidelines online from a reputable source, say a dermatology association, maybe the AAD, where they can go and read about their condition. I think that's where it would really start from the basic principles. Yeah, but in, in those cases, you're only reaching the patients that actually come to you. There's the, the tip of the iceberg of the number of people seeing all these um, very irresponsible accounts. What do you think the dermatologist's role in this is? Should dermatologists be influencers as well? It's interesting because uh, there have been some studies done on um, the influence of dermatologists yes. via social media on patients. And to a certain extent, uh, patients do go onto dermatologists' Instagram feeds looking for their opinions on certain treatments or what they think must be the best. But I think some of the studies had actually looked and seen 
that it didn't really change some of their behavior. So I think there's still a lot of research that needs to go into looking at these behaviors, how it affects patients' choices. But I think as dermatologists, it's definitely um, a very powerful place that we're coming from if a dermatologist could use their you know, status as an influencer to spread uh, on one end positivity, but yes, uh, to combat this misinformation that's being spread. Yeah, do you follow any dermatologists on social media yourself? Well, I personally haven't. It's something that I just came across when I was reading up on this topic. Um, and I'd like to look up some of the dermatologists out there. Yeah, a few that I think are quite good is Dr. Dre on YouTube. She's actually quite interesting. She goes to all the d- drugstores and talks about moisturizers and skincare. And then there's this account right. called Dr. Lee with um, Dr. Maxfield and Dr. Munip Shah who talk about a lot of dermatology-related stuff. And they're very, very engaging. And I think our listeners should definitely check them out. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Well, thanks, Rashan. That's an extremely important topic and very, very interesting. Thank you for bringing that to us today. Thank you very much. And I today I have uh, your colleague, Dr. Ochun Chet, going to talk to us about his experience with the COVID-19 and skin. Thanks once again, Dr. Chien. Okay, bye. Right, bye. <laughs> Dr. Oh Chun Chiat is a consultant dermatologist at the Singapore General Hospital where he specialises in hospital inpatient dermatology and has a special interest in skin cancer epidemiology, particularly in immunocompromised patients. We train together as residents and have worked together for many years. <laughs> Welcome Chun Chiat to the WCD podcast. Hello, Etienne. It's so nice to hear from you. It's been quite a while since we last worked together. Yes, uh, and, the, and the pandemic didn't help. Yeah, but I'm glad we had a chance to meet virtually like in this setting. And it's, uh, thank you once again for your kind invite to this uh, podcast uh, episode. Uh, you recently presented an update to an international panel for the Researcher Academy on COVID-19 dermatoses. Can you tell us a bit about what you found? Yes, that's right. So this was uh, findings that we, we discussed and reported over the varied manifestation of the skin for COVID-19 patients. What we found was in the last one year of uh, COVID-19 pandemic, there are patients who presented with skin rashes prior to COVID infection or after COVID infection. And what we saw locally included viral exanthelite rashes, vesicular eruptions, as well as articular eruptions during the COVID-19 infection. However, locally, we did not see any of the pernos that was reported in the Western literature, the so-called COVID fingers and toes. Also, there were no reported cases of retiform purpura seen locally, and in contrast to what was reported in other countries. Hmm, that's very interesting. Um, I'm just wondering, this retiform purpura, do you think it's something to do with temperate climate? Uh, interestingly, what we think could be related to temperature was pernosis, the so-called covid uh, fingers and toes, which there was more reported in uh, countries that are more temperate and cooler temperatures, which you don't see in tropical countries like Singapore. In contrast, for retiform purpura, it was postulated that patients who developed this might have underlying uh, systemic thrombotic phenomenon that resulted in all this uh, retiform reticence. And unfortunately, patients who presented retiform purpura tend to have worse outcome with increased mortality risk, perhaps due to the underlying systemic thrombosis as well. Mm, wow. And what about the vaccine dermatosis? You, one of your talks was on the vaccine reactions, right? We, have, we can see a shift in the focus of dermatologists managing during this COVID-19 pandemic. The earlier days were recognizing the new onset of rashes of COVID-19. And now in the past months around the world, with a push for vaccination globally, 
we, we as dermatologists also have a new wave of new consults, which is the vaccine reach. And locally, we do see vaccine-related and um, they have a presence with hypersensitive reactions such as urticaria. They also can present with uh, exanthem. Wow. Yeah, actually, I have a few cases of pityriasis rosea from the vaccine also. Have you seen any of those? Yes, that's right, Etienne. We have seen cases of uh, pityriasis rosea um, that presented after vaccination. And this has also been reported uh, by dermatologists in other parts of the world. Hmm, very interesting. Um, I actually have a small series of patients with alopecia areata after the vaccine. Do you think that's possible? That's interesting, Etienne. I think at this juncture, a lot of uh, dermatosis manifestation post-COVID is possible because there are other um, novel skin reactions that patients reported after a COVID vaccination. So certainly, I think alopecia areata could be another form of inflammatory response after COVID vaccination. Yeah, I think and that's why we, we need to keep very good records and the importance of registries in cataloging skin manifestations. Do you have something like that in um, the Singapore General Hospital? Yes, I agree, Etienne, that registry is important. Um, my colleagues so, who are managing um, COVID-19 vaccination allergies, they do also collect a registry of these cases. And I think at the end of the day, collecting registries in Singapore or worldwide helps to improve everybody's understanding of um, these novel skin reactions that we see, be it COVID diseases or COVID-19 vaccination-related diseases. And through these registries, over time, can collect and perhaps understand a bit more about these new novel diseases that, that, you know, that we dermatologists encounter. I know you're also very interested in skin manifestations in immunocompromised hosts, particularly things like transplant patients and HIV. Have registries and stuff like that helped you in that part of your specialty? Yes, indeed so. For example, in transplant registry, we can see that there's a shift in the type of skin conditions that dermatologists face when we manage uh, patients who are transplanted. In the early days of transplantations, perhaps 30 years ago, where the mainstay of uh, medications to suppress patients were like drugs like azathioprine and cyclosporine, you can see that skin cancers was a big problem in this group of patients who presented with uh, uh, multiple skin cancers or large unresectable tumors. But over the last decade, with advances in medications and technology, medications have changed and we can see that uh, the backbone of medications to suppress patients post-transplant has been switched out of uh, the traditional azathioprine and cyclosporine and skin cancer incidences have definitely dropped, which is a good news for these patients. Mm. And what are the newer kind of manifestations you're seeing now with the new kind of treatments that we have for transplant and even cancer? I see. So... With new medications like sarolimus for transplant patients post, uh, for example, kidney transplants, we can see that they get more um, oral ulcers and uh, lymph edema, which can be quite debilitating for them as well. Mm, very interesting. That's something that we don't usually see in an outpatient dermatology setting. So that's very, very interesting. And um, I know you do a lot of inpatient dermatology as well. What's your experience been during this pandemic? Well, Etienne, for during the pandemic, I think that also pushed us as dermatologists to the new frontier, which is uh, adoption of telemedicine and teledermatology, which has always been there. But due to pandemic, it pushed us to activate the system in a much quicker pace. And I can see that uh, there are challenges. Uh, of course, there are also opportunities. The challenges will include, you know, sometimes uh, getting the primary physician to take good quality photos. As you know, dermatologists, we need not just a uh, a close shot, but sometimes you need a bird's eye view of how extensive the rash is. 
So sometimes we can't really make a good clinical judgment based on the photos that we see that they send to us, but we do what we can. And do you only uh, contact the primary physician? Do you ever do tender dermatology directly to the patients as well? Yes, we do. So in Singapore General Hospital, we've also started teledermatology in our patient services. We do encourage patients who are seeing for us for the first time in the clinic to consider telemedicine or teledermatology as the next visit follow-up option for them for the ease of their convenience as well as to help to reduce their risk of getting infection when they go to crowded places like hospitals. We do have patients who are receptive to the idea and they have continued to follow up via teledermatology. Mm, that's excellent. Uh, yeah, we are doing that in a hospital as well. Well, thank you, Chunchet, for speaking to me today. I think that's very interesting to see how another hospital is handling the pandemic in Singapore. Yes, thank you very much, Etienne, for your time today. Okay, thank you, and I'll see you soon. Bye. See you soon, Etienne. Bye. And that was the official podcast of the WCD. Don't forget to follow us on all our socials on Facebook, Instagram at WCD2023Singapore and check out our WCD website WCD2023Singapore.org for more updates and content on the WCD. And until next time, stay safe and use sunblock.